again, good morning. Good morning. Good, morning. Uh, good to be with you today. Uh, may the grace and peace of God be with us always. Now, <clears throat> you may not have noticed because, um, but there has been a story that's being kind of developed and unfolding in the scripture lessons for about three weeks now. It's one of the reasons you probably didn't notice it because the first lesson that we probably were seeing that story developing was uh, three weeks ago. And uh, I didn't read that lesson that, that Sunday. It's the only Sunday I haven't read all three lessons. But it's the story of Jeremiah. And so we have this Jeremiah text. And I'm going to read a little piece of that because I want to make sure I fill in the gaps. I don't want you to be without that kind of uh, uh, thing this morning. Oh, guess what? Since I didn't bring that with me, I have to bring it down. Good thing there's a Bible here. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's, here's the important piece here. The important piece is Jeremiah says, I would love to bring this message, and I, I can't not bring it. God compels me. He entices me. And he entices me in such a way that I cannot be silent. I see bad things. I would like to say violence and destruction and is all around us, but I'm afraid. And the reason I'm afraid is because this message is not a good message for anybody. No one wants to hear that message. They're afraid of hearing that, and they come after me. And I feel like I need dog, and they are just relentless in, in pursuing me. He said, I cannot stop. I cannot stop. I must speak out. Jeremiah is trying to be a faithful messenger for God, but it comes at a cost. And the cost is that most people don't want to hear what Jeremiah has to say, much less they want to hear what God has to say. They don't want to know what God thinks. They only want to hear good news, and that news is that God doesn't care what they do, excuse me, doesn't care what they do. He doesn't care that they have abandoned their faith, ha ha, or follow other gods, ha ha. That he doesn't care that they're doing bad things and following other gods and other ways of thinking. Ha ha. No, I was very angry at that. And he sends Jeremiah to tell them about that. He desires that they have a change of heart. That they again abandon the other things that entice them away from him. And he would like to remind them that he is their God who cares about them. Jeremiah struggles to speak out, and yet he says, I cannot keep silent. I must, I must shout violence and destruction. It's like a fire burning in my bones, Jeremiah says, risking everything, because people need to hear, need to know that God is a God who gives life and gives it abundantly. So that's the first part of the story. It happened three weeks ago. The second part of the story is the gospel from last week. Jesus shows the disciples and sends them out into the villages and the cities with authority to heal the sick and cast out evil spirits. And we hear a little bit of that story. You may have remembered that. You might not. I'm just reminding you what that story was all about. As I mentioned, opportunities to heal are everywhere. And sometimes all we seem able to do is to witness to the, to the evil that's around us. Sometimes we can't change that. I mean, that was my experience as I'm watching a person standing on, on, the, on the wall of, uh, of the Holiday Inn, not knowing what to do. Sometimes all we get to do is witness evil at hand. Praying that everything will somehow be okay, that the 
day will come. The day will come when God's love will somehow overcome the power of hate, the power of war, the power of prejudice, the power of violence, and that a cup of cold water will be offered and people will be ready to drink and accept and quench their thirst. To quench their thirst from all the other things that make them parched in life and dry them up and give them no hope. Which leads us to today's gospel lesson. You see, I believe that we are all prophets and at least prophetic in our everyday lives. We also look for the welcome of our friends and neighbors. We can't help but hope to be accepted, to be welcomed, to be received. That is a part of our <laughs> uh, task today too, is understanding that that pressure is there for us. We live with the hope that if we share what gives us life, that that somehow will be accepted by others, and that somehow they will welcome us, and then to accept us and to welcome us is also a welcome to the God who is inside of us and lives inside of us. But Matthew is not naive. He knows the power of sin and death. He knows how it clings to us like tattered clothing long past their usefulness. I've always been kind of astonished at the clothes in my closet. Anybody opened their closet last week or something? I, I just get a kick out of that. I bet you are like me. I have uh, all kinds of shirts that I had since high school and college days. Anybody got a high school shirt in their closet? Man, what am I thinking? Some of those things that are so worn, so out of color, out of touch, I can't believe that they're still there. But they are mine. And they are connected to me in many different ways, in many different times. And as much as the style has changed, and so has my frame, <clears throat> which means they don't quite fit me anymore, <laughs> still I find it hard to get rid of them. It's like I just have something, I just have to have them still. They are my past, and yet I find it hard to part with them. Who we once were, like all clothing, is hard to part with. So closely does sin cling to who we have been and who we still are. Matthew is reminding the twelve disciples that being welcomed is not going to be easy because welcoming you means welcoming me. Means being at odds with the sin that clings to us. It means letting go of the past and embracing faith that places our lives in God's hands, transforming us from people who once clung to those things but now cling to Christ for grace and life. Do not be surprised by the resistance to the welcome you seek. Do not be surprised by your own struggle to let go. If you are welcomed, then let them know that you also will welcome. Now there is a wonderful verse here that should be explained. It's verse 42. And anyone who gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, uh, none of these will lose their reward. Now, I'm not sure what to do with the reward language, because that's a strange language to me when you talk about grace. 
but it's there. And I'll, maybe I'll talk about that another time. But let me explain the other part. Jesus is not saying that we uh, need to be very gracious and welcoming to children. That's not the message, although that's what it sounds like. This is not a message to encourage us to be kind to the little ones, although that is not a bad idea. We should be kind to everyone, and especially our youth. But the message to be is, uh, is to be understood in a different way. It is to be understood that those who are infants are those who are still immature in the faith. Be kind to those who are still coming to grips with what it means to let go of sin and death and to cling to Christ for life. Let us not forget that we too once were infants in the faith. We too had someone who shared the faith and a welcome of Christ with us. And we need to be welcoming. We need to recognize that this is a journey and a journey that is not easily taken. It's not easy to change our clothing, especially when we, it no longer fits. You ever try to take that, that clothing off and it's just a little bit tighter than it should have been? I, I see Farley all the time in that jacket. It's just, I can't help myself. Big boy in a little jacket. I mean, I just, it's one of those movies that I just kind of cling to there. But it's hard to let go of those things. They no longer fit. Changing our lives and the sin that clings to us requires a grace-filled kindness, which, like a cup of cold water, is meant to refresh, not convict. And not belittle. This is the reward sense in sharing love, patience, and kindness. We gain a brother or sister in Christ. And that refreshes both the prophet and the one the prophet speaks to. The prophet and the friend. I know to this day the people who offer a cup of water to me in my life of faith. And I remember well those who didn't also. And I'll bet you have those names well memorized in your thoughts. This distinction comes up often when I talk to our post-confirmation to 50-somethings in our world and in our neighborhood. There have been far too many welcomes that were not a cup of refreshment, but a shockwave of icy condemnation. This is not the path that leads to Jesus. This is not the path that leads to hope. This is not the path that leads people to a new life. A cup of cold water, there is nothing more refreshing. Condemnation just causes shock, retreat, and resentment. So today, I would like to say that as we who struggle to invite people in, that we realize that it is welcome that we need. It is welcome that it is at the heart of who we are. It is welcome that God invites us and through welcome clings to us. God clings to us like a clean, fresh, and wonderful cloth. Today we welcome as those who have been clothed in Christ's forgiveness, clothed in God's grace, the one 
who has passed on to us a gift that we have no way of thanking Him for. So we rejoice today. It is a new day. It is a new day of grace. And welcome is within us. And hopefully something we're willing to share with everyone.